episode of Public Opinion with your host, Pam and Vanetta. And look, I have my Vanetta back. I'm so excited. Vanetta made it back. She survived her surgery. And look at her. I survived. And well, that I told was you not easy, Do not get a huge kidney stone. That's all I can suggest. Do not do it. Yes, you have what is called, and I did research on it, a staghorn kidney stone, which is an extremely large kidney stone that takes on like tentacles and stuff and just grows all out of control. So, yeah. And with a great deal of pride, I announced it was one of the largest that a Cleveland Clinic has ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to have two surgeries. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you had to have two surgeries to have it removed. So... We're happy to have you. We're happy to see you back here. And um, and also coming on the heels of the last show that we had with Hannah, Hannah Whitley, who is starring in Hades Town as Eurydice. You got a chance to see it and I got a chance to see it. And how did you like it? Girl, I had trouble keeping my heart in my chest. I She was just phenomenal. All I could think was not that little baby. Not that little girl. She did such a good job. I just wonder where she got the stamina to be on the stage so much. Okay. I, I was thoroughly impressed. It was a great performance. I said, I don't even know how that voice came out of her body. I really don't. But she was phenomenal. And I loved it. I love seeing, once again, diversity in the cast. When I saw it, I had an understudy for Orpheus, who has uh, been played by a a, a, a man of color, but the show I saw, his understudy, who was a white guy, and he did a good job, you know, I, I, he probably wasn't as good as the main man, but he did, a, you know, he did a, a, a good job. Well, you know what, the man of color, because I had an Asian, I mean, a Hispanic man, so it's very diverse, but she was very proud, Hannah, because the man of color is uh, direct of African descent, I mean, he has a very heavy accent and all that, and she said she loved the way it made him feel show him in such a sensitive role because that's not how we see African men in in theater or or in the news or anything like that. So it was really a nice look at what what could be, what the world is really like. Right, right. And so at any rate, we're continuing on with that whole conversation about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the arts this week. Do you hate grocery shopping, especially during the pandemic? Well, then save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as 30 minutes. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Instacart, it does all of that for you for one low monthly fee and you get free delivery on your first order over $10. So follow the link in the show notes. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. And so we're going to have two phenomenal guests who are going to be joining us today to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the arts. So we are going to get started and meet our guests. First, we have Nina Domain. Nina is a Black New Orleans native who is currently based in Cleveland. She is a griot, cultural memory worker, actor, director, and playwright who currently serves as the artistic associate of Caramu House. Her most recent work includes directing Stu at Dobama 
and writing Red Summer and co-directing it with Tony Sias and the upcoming show, The Bubbly Black Girl Sheds Her Chameleon Skin. Next, we have Tony Sias. Tony is the president and CEO of Caramu House, America's oldest black producing theater. Under Sias, since 2015, Caramu stabilized finances, raised over $12 million for restoration and increased attendance. Prior to his tenure at Caramu, Sias served in several progressive roles for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, including Director of Arts Education and Artistic Director of Cleveland School of the Arts. All right, so let's welcome our guests. All right, well, welcome, welcome, welcome so much. And thank the both, I thank the both of you for agreeing to come. And we're here in this wonderful studio. I'm so excited. Unfortunately, Benetta has to be with us by video because she is recovering from surgery. Hi, Benetta. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 Come back. Yes. <laughs> and look at these wonderful guests we have here. We are really moving on. Okay, we are moving up, aren't we, Benata? <laughs> oh my goodness, we have Tony Sias from Caramel, as well as Nina Domain. <laughs> and she is the playwright. And she is the playwright for the play that I'm in, Benata. So, you know, are you coming? Yeah. All right. You will be there. And I love my characters. I'm not going to give away what I do, but uh, you will be pleased, probably. Or if you're not, too bad. But anyway, anyway, uh, you know, this would be public opinion show if we didn't have a public opinion question. But this is kind of like a three-part question. But the overall question is about uh, how has diversity... uh, equity and inclusion been expressed in the arts. And so the three part is the first question that I want to know is what are the biggest changes or improvements that the two of you have seen Mm -hmm. in the arts with diversity, equity, and inclusion? And the next question would be, what uh, do you think needs to be improved upon? And then the last part is what can we do or what do you think needs to be done and who needs to do it? to further diversity, equity, and inclusion in the arts. So with that being said, either one of you can go first in answering any one of those questions. Okay. Uh, Of course he gonna do that. Okay. (laughs) So I think one of the biggest uh, shifts that we've seen um, in the arts has been in administration, um, particularly since George Floyd's death. Um, and the Black Theater Coalition, and then just like the theater community at large, released this open letter called We See You, White American Theater, um, that listed uh, a bunch of things. Like, we have been seeing all of these things that have been happening all of these years, and we are not unaware. And now that everybody's paying attention, here are some things that we would like to change. Um, So there was a shift from... 2020 to now in executive leadership. Like there's always been, I think, uh, black people in managerial positions Mm -hmm. in theaters, but we've seen more artistic directors, more managing directors, more executive directors uh, taking the helm at regional theaters across the country. Um, And that, that is a very definitive shift because they always like, Oh, we can do a black show. We'll put, Oh, right. We'll put, 
black just so that they can feel like they have appeased. Right. But, the but seeing the yeah. change in leadership is mm-hmm. one of the biggest, most recent changes that I've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, one yeah. of the couple with that, and mm-hmm. I think that that is really the seminal one. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, you're doing productions that may be about the black experience. Mm-hmm. However, hiring designers mm-hmm. that are the lighting designers, the sound designers, yep. the set designers, uh, they're more uh, blacks in those areas as well mm-hmm. because it's been important. I mean, mm-hmm. we, uh, uh, PWI, predominantly white institution, mm-hmm. can produce a show. But all of those other elements really yes. inform the work yes. that you're doing. And it's yeah. not just the director. Mm-hmm. But if you talk about costume, when you think about uh, Wakanda, mm-hmm. uh, just think about uh, that costume designer being a black woman, being the influence and what she brought to the experience, along with the other uh, the design team. Mm-hmm. So I think coupled with leadership mm-hmm. at the executive level, mm-hmm. uh, uh, designers and technicians uh, get the have being hired more often mm-hmm. to support the work with black shows and in and other shows, but primarily with shows that are about the black experience. Okay. So those are the things that you all think are improvements that have been done or eh, I didn't say improvements. They're oh, changes. Okay. <laughs> They're changes. They're okay. changes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that uh, improvement in the sense of it's happening. Mm-hmm. I think let's look at how this is sustained. Because this is a seminal moment, mm-hmm. you know, the George Floyd, you know, there are people who made these solidarity statements. Right. But what was after that? Right. And yeah. so then right. you see some of these incremental changes. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about this five years from now. Mm-hmm. And let's look at the statistics of executive leadership. Mm-hmm. Let's look at statistics about designers mm-hmm. and technicians that support the work. Mm-hmm. Right. And the sustainability, because it's 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 you can put someone in position, mm-hmm. but if your board is not ready to receive them. And the changes mm-hmm. that they will bring if if you don't have audience development in place so that the audience understands we're bringing new perspectives and new point of views uh, in our storytelling yeah. and in our hiring and all of those things. And you've put those people in place. But will they stay? Right. Yeah. And now, Vanetta and I have a subscription mm-hmm. to the Broadway series. Mm-hmm. And we've been going now. How many years, Vanetta, have we been going to that? Uh, close to 20. Yeah, close to 20. And wouldn't you say we have seen a lot of change? Just kind of recently, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very recently. It was just recently. We've seen roles that are maybe written for typical, predominantly white audiences starting to have a reflection of us, but not nearly enough. But yeah. the chip up, and I would say I'm starting to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the last productions that we've seen, like we, we saw Les Mis, this was probably the best production of Les Mis I have oh, seen. It was such a diverse cast. Mm-hmm. And it was so, you know, and I had seen it. We had seen it some years before. But this one was just like, I don't know. It just was like peppered with so many different mm-hmm. people. And the audiences do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's well, not like we haven't been waiting for this. Yeah, it was one. I thought it was really, it was always a diverse cast. But this year, it was just... It was on fire. It was so much more diverse. And it made you see the world a little different. I mean, I would have never seen George Washington as an Asian man. I mean, <laughs> that opened my eyes. <laughs> right. So it could be. And right. And I think if we have open minds, you know, of course, some people who are closed-minded and don't want to be accepting of any of that. But um, but I like what you said about the leadership. and, and But I do believe that there needs to be more diversity 
at the upper echelons of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, as far as producers and getting people to put their money, and then Nina, you were telling us in, in rehearsal about uh, your perspective about Broadway. And I want you to say that because I thought it was, I love what you were talking about. Tell that canary in the coal okay. mine. Uh, so, because <laughs> I thought that was very good. Okay, so the, when the quarantine ended and Broadway opened back up, there are more black shows on Broadway right. um, than we've seen, I think, ever in history. And I use the canary in the coal mine uh, analogy, you know, it with I, I have a friend whose father is a coal miner. And so if there's like a, a gas leak or something dangerous, they would send a canary in. And if the canary flies back out, they know it's safe for the miners mm -hmm. to go in. If the canary does not come out, they know they can't go in because they might die from poisonous gas. And what, even though we saw more shows than we've ever seen, they've right. also been closing faster yes. than Broadway shows normally close. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the quality of the work. It has to do with whether or not Broadway audiences want to see those stories. Mm -hmm. Broadway ticket prices are astronomical. Mm -hmm. And... It's, yeah, they are. it's not a lot of, I mean, the Hamilton tickets on Broadway were up to $2,000 a ticket, right? And so you, it, not a lot of Black New Yorkers mm -hmm. are paying to see a Broadway show every week right? Uh, when their rent is $2,500. <laughs> yeah. so, so it's like, it doesn't actually serve us to have those shows on Broadway. Is Broadway yeah. actually our audience? Or right. is regional theater our audience? Yeah. Um, and and we want those shows out there. We want them seen. We want them mm -hmm. known. And Broadway has often been hailed as like, if you make it to Broadway, then you've hit. Right. But that's not the only measure of the quality of the art, of the, the importance mm -hmm. of the story. And so these shows are closing. And then a lot of times, if you're not a theater artist, you're not a patron mm -hmm. of the theater, the only way that you hear about a show is, oh, this show was on Broadway, right. so it must be right. good. It must be important. Yes. And that's the prevailing public opinion about mm -hmm. it. And I think that there are other ways for us to make people aware mm -hmm. of the art that exists, like coming to Caramel House. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because that's the way it's branded and marketed. And right. So you're right. Most yeah. people who really don't know a lot about theater, mm -hmm. or even people in the theater that's yeah. like, your goal is to be on Broadway. It's right. like, that is your goal. Where it is off-Broadway, they talk about so many wonderful shows mm -hmm. that are off-Broadway, mm -hmm. but then sometimes mm -hmm. people think, well, those are inferior shows, or, you know, but... Yeah. But like you said, mm -hmm. the shows that we may want to see, and that's nothing. They may have to look at the ticket prices and, and that type of thing. Yep. But the, the you're right, the, the, the shows that are geared towards more black audiences, and if those people are not willing to pay that kind of money to see, but you know, or just... But I think yeah. that they are willing to pay that money. Mm -hmm. The thing that I find experience is that with musicals, mm -hmm. People will drop the money. So yeah, when you talk that's about true when you talk about uh, ain't too proud, mm -hmm. when you talk about Tina, Tina, when you talk about Michael, the temptation. The temptation. Yeah, that's so it. what happens is, I think that traditionally, mm -hmm. um, the straight play, the non-musical, yeah. is the sh are the shows that are more challenged mm -hmm. on Broadway mm -hmm. than the musical. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, I think one of the things that uh, when these 
all these black musicals have been successful, mm-hmm. all the ones I've mentioned, and have had staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Broadway audiences were concerned about, and um, and not just the audiences, mm-hmm. but the major producers, excuse mm-hmm. me, were talking about the new audiences on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And that's folks who look like us, mm-hmm. who engage in the work and the call and response mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And it was really beginning to be disruptive. And so <laughs> from their perspective, oh, really? because Caramel House is a, call, is a call and response experience. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and call and response does not mean that you are uh, a nuisance to your person sitting next to you, right. but it's the You're work. engaging. And so, you engage uh, the audience. Completely. Yeah. And so, Dominique Marisol mm-hmm. wrote a piece about how her work was designed to engage. Mm-hmm. But some of the conversations I heard at the top levels in the industry mm-hmm. around these new audiences, I had to share that article with them to talk about um, the importance of understanding how the work is designed and the cultural difference. Mm-hmm. And let me say that I am can be the top of the list of a snob. <laughs> but I'm not confused about what this work triggers. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know how I interact with the work. Mm-hmm. But I am respectful of those who are more vocal in engaging. Mm-hmm. But you still, and there's a line between engaging and being disruptive. Mm-hmm. But the ticket price, I do feel like musicals have a different kind of staying yeah. power mm-hmm. than the street. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. It doesn't involve as much thought. A lot of times it's, it's more about the entertainment, listening to the to the music, the singing voices. Whereas I found like in straight plays, you really have to engage in the storyline a mm-hmm. lot. You know, uh, whereas like like a play like Hades Town or... Or Les Mis. When I first saw Les Mis, I really didn't know what was going on, but I knew I liked the music. You know, I, mean, I knew I loved, I could appreciate the singing mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. Whereas in a, a straight play, all you have is the acting, you know, and, and that. So it's right acting. It's acting. Right, right. But you have, to, you have to really pick up on what these characters were saying and buy into that mm-hmm. and take that emotional ride. And then everybody could not relate. To his character because his experiences have been very different than the average white man. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yeah. And you know, I, and I hate to continue to be the, the Do it. odd guy out. No. I think that these are universal stories. They mm-hmm. are that then speak to the human experience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Troy was one of the most misunderstood people. But I feel like there are so many. From Troy to Willie Loman and Death of a Salesman. Yeah. You know, these people are who they are. Mm-hmm. If we could just get past, and this is a universal week, mm-hmm. get past the idea of, of, of just my race and my color. Mm-hmm. But how do we say this yeah. is the human it's experience? This is human experience. And it's what, it's what Lorraine Hansberry said. We reach the universal through the lens of the particular. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like the more specific I am in my storytelling, the more you'll be able to relate Mm -hmm. to it, actually, because you'll see the humanity of it. To use Lorraine's work as an example, the reason why Raisin has lasted this long, Mm -hmm. the reason why it's considered a classic, it looks like it's mundane. Opening scene. They're getting ready for work. They're getting ready for school. Everybody trying to use the bathroom. But it's so specific to mm-hmm. tenement housing in Chicago mm-hmm. in the 60s. Like, because everybody doesn't, everywhere in the Midwest doesn't have that kind of house where there is a shared bathroom mm-hmm. in the hallway. So that's specific, right? right? But the thing that makes it different is that's the day they're waiting for the check, mm-hmm. right? And that's what makes it pop. What is different about this 
day. And it becomes universal because it's like, well, I had that kind of fight with my sister trying yeah. to get into the bathroom in the morning. Yeah. I, I have that fight mm-hmm. with my wife. Like, I don't want AIDS no more. I don't want to eat oatmeal today. I want something different. Can I have some fat back and some grits? I don't know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. you know, or whatever it is. But yeah. so it's not the specificity of the, of, it's not the, um, that the, it, you don't want it to be general. You Mm -hmm. want it to be specific because then that's where you can relate to it. And you can say, well, I have had a fight like that with my my family member and I can enter that way. Yeah. Right. And it's still still a story, though, that, like you said, is specific. Mm -hmm. But then where it really reached out was the fact that. They wanted what everybody wants yes. in this in this life. Yeah, they just want to have. Who doesn't want to have a nice home mm-hmm. and and move your family somewhere? Right. But the the conflict came in. You know that whole thing about you know they don't want you to move here or mm-hmm. they don't want you to do this and or that. And that's where it brings me around to this whole uh, quest that we have as actors or anybody to get like uh, the Academy Award and get these awards that they say or, you know, mm-hmm. we should be getting when historically we were not even letting a room, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like maybe we have to get past that and just tell our stories because they're good stories to tell, put good uh, actors in these places mm-hmm. and then let the rest go where it is and mm-hmm. not have to feel that, okay, we got to do this so that we can win. I mean, look at Beyonce. She won all these Grammys, but she still did not get album of the year. You know, it's like, oh, what is it? Only one or two black people who've gotten uh, the album of the year. So it's, uh, or women who have gotten it. Yeah, and um, she's the most award, Grammy award artist in history. history. She's won more Grammys than anyone ever, but she still doesn't, has never had album of the year. And you don't have to like her music. It doesn't have to be your style to understand the work ethic, Mm -hmm. to understand that she has an audience, to understand that there is talent. Mm -hmm. People don't necessarily have the vocal range she has. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if she is the most awarded, why has she never won album of the year? It don't make sense. It's like if you're not going to say is what you know the elephant in the room, right. then what is? Right. You know, it's like what you know. So it's it's not like we are just making things up. You know, and I'm saying we 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 we're just not. Now, my next question though is, what is it that you think needs to be done now? Um, and specifically, I want to say to prepare our youth and prepare people to be in the positions that we can uh, guarantee that we will have the diversity, equity, and inclusion that's needed? I think it's, because you started with young people, Mm -hmm. I think it's having arts and arts education central Mm -hmm. to education. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not exposed, taking, I'm assuming all of us had a high school band, Mm -hmm. all of us had a high school choir, Mm -hmm. uh, that that choir performed at different events. Mm -hmm. Those kind of social skills, team playing, Mm -hmm. social and emotional development Mm -hmm. that they gain as a result of that. In addition to, and I believe education is very important, Mm -hmm. and formal education. Mm -hmm. So if if your aspirations is to be an administrator and an artist at the same time, you have to not only get the education, yeah. but go into diverse environments mm-hmm. uh, to establish a name for yourself mm-hmm. and to do the work. Mm-hmm. Because I think at the end of the day, I think that sometimes, you know, some artists and those who aspire to be artists really don't understand the education and training. Mm-hmm. And, and let me even qualify that a lot of people are degree, few are truly educated. 
Mm. And so, as you, so as you like seek these credentials, you still need to get a right. solid education mm-hmm. in so many diverse ways. Yeah, I don't want to unpack my journey, but what I will say is, it took a lot to land at this point, mm-hmm. and it was a diverse pathway in getting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, Tony and I have both been educators, um, and and I think. Education is also important for our audience, right? Mm-hmm. Because like he said, you know, most schools have a, a school band or a school choir, a basketball team. I use this example. I've taught a school of the arts for many, many years. And I tell people the school of the arts does not have some magic pool of children. <laughs> they are not more talented than the kids at Shaw, the kids at Kennedy, the kids mm-hmm. at Marshall. They are the same kids. And I know that because through all of the theaters that I've worked for in the city, I've taught at all of those schools. The difference is, If I'm in a major at CSA and the only thing that makes me feel not stressed, not angry, feel some relief, I get to express myself as playing this horn, but I hate English class, Mm -hmm. but I know I can't play this horn unless I get this C, I'm going to get that C because I need that horn. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a school that doesn't have something like that for you, then you don't care. And you let the C become the right. D, the F, the whatever, because if all your school has is a basketball team and a band, and those two things mm-hmm. are not the things that you do, mm-hmm. what is your incentive mm-hmm. to begin to try? Most of the people who go to CSA do not become professional audience, uh, professional artists, mm-hmm. but what they do become are the audience. Mm-hmm. Consumers, yeah. Yeah, because they have an appreciation. Well, thank you all again for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, great conversation. And we need to continue to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in mm-hmm. every area, and especially in the arts. I don't think that's an area that needs to go unaddressed. Mm-hmm. So thank you all so much. Make sure you come to the show yes. February 24th through March 5th, Red Summer at Caramoo. Oh, I really enjoyed them, Vanessa. Didn't you enjoy them? That was a nice show to come back to. They did a phenomenal job. They both have such presence. Yeah, and I really like the conversation. I really do believe that it's so important for us to make sure that we have diversity and uh, equity and inclusion in the arts, as well as continue to allow our children to be exposed to the arts and understand the value of it. It's so important. I really like the point she made about Broadway because that did change my view because as I, as many Americans think, when you make it to New York, when you make it to Broadway, you have made it. That is the ultimate success. But just like anything else, like she said about the canary, they send that in there because they'll sacrifice it. So they'll sacrifice us. There you go. And I, I, I we, what, what um, predominant audiences will go see in plays and things are names they know. Tina, Michael, uh you know, those are things. But do they want to hear real stories? Right. Not necessarily. Exactly right. And it's important for us to tell our stories to our people and make sure that they're told in a way that it can be addressed to all audiences. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Right. And that they're true. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. But anyway, I enjoyed this so much. I'm so happy to see you back. And if you enjoyed this segment and if you enjoy watching us, continue to watch us on Facebook, as well as Instagram and uh, YouTube. And if you cannot watch the show, listen on the go wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, we'll see you for another episode of Public Opinion. Bye.